Welcome to the Abroadcast. I'm Derek Bradley. I manage education abroad here at University of the Pacific. This week, our guests are Leah Klassen and Eileen Rad. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Uh, thank you. So why don't you first introduce yourself, uh, tell us who you are, where you went, uh, and what people should know about you. Okay. Hello, my name is Eileen Rad. I am a biochemistry major in the chemistry department, and I went to Valencia, Spain through the program USAC, and I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Awesome. Um, my name is Leah Clausen, and I'm a civil engineering student with a double major in Chinese language and literature. And I attended uh, CIEE programs, uh, Shanghai, uh, China in a Global Context for one semester. So. Very cool. Yeah. So currently we don't have a lot of Pacific students studying abroad, so we're looking to change that. So tell us a little bit for both of you about at what point you knew you were going to go abroad? How did you make that decision? Since there's not so many students that are going, you kind of paved the way in, in many senses. So how did that come about for you? Uh, for me, it's a very personal decision. I practically decided when I was in high school. I am adopted from China. So that is a cultural returning or homecoming of sorts. So I came into college knowing that this is something I wanted to do. Uh, learning the language is important to me. And because of that, I was able to work with the tight schedule that you're given as a STEM major to fit this in and make sure that I can do it within a reasonable amount of time and for a reasonable price. Though I will say that I am staying an extra semester, but you know what, in this long scope, it's a much more important because A, if you do study abroad or if you do have another language on your belt aside from like the colloquial, you're so much more hireable and it changes you for the better. Uh, for me, I remember I had high school exchange students coming to visit my high school or studying at my high school for the whole year. And I remember how I thought it was so cool that they got to do this amazing experience. And I wish I also did it. No, I actually, I don't wish that I did it in high school because right now I think I'm more mature and more ready to be um, uh, more adapting to the environment and things like that and experience a lot of things because of my age, I'm older, because if I were still in high school, it would be a different case. Um, so I also came in knowing that I wanted to study abroad. And for that reason, I saved up most of my GE classes in order to be able to take them abroad. So I started out with major courses, taking them freshman, sophomore year. And when time came, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. So I started asking more questions and reaching out I know the people who have studied abroad and they are helping in the national, international exchange. Um, what is it? Bechtel? Bechtel, yes. Bechtel, yes. Um, they work there. I remember um, they helped me a lot through the process. And for me, a reason because I picked Spain is in high school, I took Spanish classes to be able to communicate with others who don't, whose first language is not English. And so it just ended up working out perfectly for me to go to Spain. I think, Eileen, you were actually my very first student meeting because uh, I'm new. I've been here to Pacific almost a year now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very proactive. You did a good job of, mm -hmm. of getting that all together. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that students talk about is that there's so many options about where they could go. But that is a real struggle trying to narrow it down. How did you guys narrow down the options? How long did it take? Uh, did you... Was it an easy process? Tell me about that. 
Absolutely. For me, it was very, very uh, hectic at first because I, I'm a very indecisive person. And given the options that I had, I was going crazy because I wanted to go everywhere. But what helped me was uh, talking to the program advisor and they led me to which program I was most fitted for. And so first I looked at the program and then I decided, okay, I wanted to go to a Spanish speaking country because that's what I have a background in. And so I picked out the Spanish speaking countries that the program offered. And looking at my classes and the GE courses that I had to complete, I looked at, oh, which, they can, which classes I can take from that program that's offered that can um, meet my GEs and be able to transfer those credits over. And for me, I picked USAC and then Valencia in Spain. And I uh, found a university that's specifically for STEM. And there's agriculture, engineering, uh, so many other scientific fields that are offered. And I thought that's like perfect for me because even though I am completing my GEs, I can take a few courses that are my major uh, in my major classes. So I ended up going that route. Very cool. Very cool. How about you, Leah? Uh, my, my experience was a little more uh, structured because I knew I had to take certain types of courses and I knew I had to go to China. Because <laughs> I mean, it's part of getting a double major is that you have to travel to the country, some Chinese speaking country. Uh-huh. And I honestly would say it helped a lot because language is important and being able to communicate really deepens the experience you can get. But in terms of deciding, I said, okay, I know I can speak some, but I have zero faith in my ability to be able to speak at a college level, write at a college level in a foreign language. So I cannot direct enroll. So I then looked at programs that were definitely not direct enroll. So CIE was one, IES was another. And then I went from there and said, okay, what courses do you offer? What programs do you offer that would match the courses that I need? And I tried to go IES route first and it got canceled like two days before. And so I did like a two day turnaround to CIEE. And wow. that was an insane moment, but it's one of those, it's it's a, it's a practice, in-country practice for when things go crazy and you just gotta uh, turn it around or otherwise it's not gonna happen. Tell me about um, your interaction with the providers before you left for the program. Did you have a lot of communication with them? Did they give you a lot of content? Uh, How did that, what was your evaluation of that experience? Uh, I went with CIEE and one of the professors there who's who's an expat, he said CIEE is very customer oriented. And I would say that's very true. They try their best to teach you everything that you need to know to come into the country it's they hold your hand to a great a great extent and they're not perfect nobody is so don't expect that but they they would email you this is what we need from you this is when we're going to do this and then they said in the summer they had this skype call and and you came in they did a little powerpoint and explained what you're doing what this itinerary was for the semester syllabus something like that and you got a really good grasp of what was going to happen. And when you came onto the program, then uh, they're very good at fielding questions, I guess. So if you had questions, they would get back to you really quickly. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Ali? Uh, same with me. I had an amazing experience with USAC. 
at first I contact um, this lovely lady, her name was Elizabeth. I kept emailing her and I was so stressed that I'm driving this lady nuts. But it was totally not like that. She was very available. She would respond quickly to my emails. And then when it was getting like towards the time where I had to submit my visa application and things like that, I would call their, um, I believe it was another person. I forgot his name, but uh, I would call him and I'm like, okay, I have these things ready. What else do I have to do? Am I late for the deadline and things like that? And they were very, very available, very kind. And I can't believe they were actually like taking my calls instead of emails because you know, I get stressed like emails won't do it. I have to call them. And through the whole process, they, like Leah said, they would hold your hand until you get to the point where you need to be. Uh, there is a, for me that on my program website, there was the list of what I had to do to get like, get done. Oh, like five months before the program, three months, two months, housing, insurance, things like that. And that helped me a lot as far as like structure goes to get what things done. And the whole visa um, process was uh, held through a PowerPoint keynote, like she said. Um, and I, I would watch it and I would email them for any questions. And same as when I got there, there was um, my director, co-director and a person in charge of activities. They were the sweetest people I've met in my life because I cannot believe, I can't tell you how, how kind and loving they were and they would go out of their way to help me out. I broke a tooth there and she, my program director, she came with me and took me to the dentist office and stood there until I was finished. And I can't express that because that's just going out of your way to do something so kind. And so I did have an amazing experience with this. Uh, there's another thing too, like to just clarify, I, uh, it probably would be the same for you, but uh, when you have communication prior to arrival, it's typically with the in like United States in-country offices. And then when you do get there, it then becomes in that country's stuff. So, yeah. How about um, your family back home, your parents, where was their anxiety level in all of this process? Uh, I've been uh, away from family because I live five hours away. I live in Southern California in Los Angeles. Um, so for me, being my freshman year was my hardest year because I was trying to adapt to be away from family. So going abroad wasn't as big as a shock as most people think it is. Because if you are living away, then you're already accustomed to living by yourself and becoming independent. But what I would say when I went abroad, uh, it it's like a different field and it's a different experience, of course. Um, I just kept in touch with my family. I would FaceTime them, I would call them, and my mom and my sister actually came to visit me for a, a week or wow. 10 days. Yeah, so that was a great experience. Uh, my parents, I'm, I'm the only child, so, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> uh, they, they are very travel savvy, I guess. My dad spent his youth in Korea. My mom spent a lot of time in Africa as a medical nurse. So they are, they're familiar with that kind of stuff. Uh, of course, you're going to miss each other. So I think that was probably just the biggest anxiety, but it worked out. Uh, we, as Eileen said, like we kept in contact. It, even if there is a VPN struggle and internet struggle, you know, there, there's a way. So let's yeah. talk about your arrival. Um, 
Did you plan to meet up or travel with anyone when you went over there? Um, did people meet you there? What, what was that experience like of, of landing on campus? Uh, so you arrived with CIE and they, assuming that you arrived within their scheduled time, then they'll come, they'll bring a bus, they'll pick you, pick you up. Uh, typically, they have their on-staff students there to welcome you to the country. And luckily for me, I met my roommate there for the first time. So that was really fun. Did you know who your roommate was? So we knew by name. Okay. We just had no pictures. So you ran into our pictures. Bike. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And that was really cool. Uh, just having that bus ride back. So you just, just come in and... Uh, you move then into orientation mode and a lot of that's just prep and you don't start classes at least with CIE till like four days after you arrive so you have plenty of time to adjust yeah for me there was two ways so some people took the optional uh tour to Barcelona with the program if you were on the group flight for me I had to stay for a little bit so I ended up going by myself which I was responsible for as far as getting my ticket and getting to my housing site but before I went they gave me an email they sent me an email with a very detailed description of where what and how and they told me okay if you want to take the metro this is what you take and this is how much it costs and same with a taxi so before I went they told me oh it's going to cost you like 25 dollars 25 euros to get to the housing and that helped me a lot because I was just like, when the guy said, oh, it's 25, I'm like, okay, this is good, this is good. And so I got to my housing site. The first day was just moving in. And then the second day, as Leah said, it was orientation. Uh, when I went there, the my program director and co-director were already there and they showed me my room, gave me the key, and I had time to settle in. And then the next morning, they all came in again and we all took the bus together and they showed us how it works. But there was like the whole bus was just all Americans like from USAC and we went to the, to the university. And after that, we went to like, oh, we got a tour of the campus, things like that. So you could probably assume that most of the people who are listening to this podcast have never been to the city where you studied abroad. So how would you tell them about the city? How would you describe the city where you live? Uh, what was that like? For me, I fell in love with Valencia and I feel like it doesn't get enough credit because people are in love with Madrid and Barcelona. But for me, I think it was the perfect city since I lived, I lived in, I live in the suburbs of LA, which is not inside the city. So it is very quiet. And here in Stockton, it's also not as big of a city. So when I was going there, I knew I didn't want something too big, but I also wanted big. And Valencia was perfect because it's not the most populated city, but it's also, it's still a city. And the people are so, so kind there. I just cannot express how kind they were to me. And it's like, they will I don't know if you've traveled to Europe, but in some parts of the Europe, they're not as their customer service isn't as similar as it is in the U.S. So but in Spain, I had no problem. Valencia, so, so beautiful, so safe because you could walk at five in the morning and there would be nothing, you know, and it's always I feel like uh, my directors and um, program directors would always say, don't worry, but if you need anything, you can just call us, you know, you have our numbers and things like that. Super safe, you have the ocean on the side. So after school, sometimes we would go down to the beach and rest there. 
Uh, what else? There is like the city part inside. I live, I, I was very fortunate to be able to live like five minutes, not even five minutes, like three minutes from the center. So everything was there and it was just an amazing city. So at what point do you, what, what incidents do you remember causing you to think that the Valencians were so kind? Like, do you remember any moments where you started to come to this realization that, wow, this is different. These people are really... So for example, when I uh, traveled in Bali, I was with a group of friends and we, whenever we got lost and didn't know where we were going, we'd ask someone for directions and they would hop on their motorcycle and personally escort us like wherever in the island we were trying to go. Mm -hmm. Like, I will never forget that, mm -hmm. those moments. Mm -hmm. What interactions with locals did you have where you're like, wow, this is awesome. I remember one time I was, um, I was scared that I was getting lost because I thought I was on the wrong quest. And I turned to the lady next to me and with whatever Spanish that I knew, I tried to tell her, oh, I don't know what to do. And she's like, oh, sweetheart, don't worry, don't worry. And then she told me, she explained the whole, she gave me the whole city map on her phone. She, they would use their, her own data to show me, okay, this is where you go. And then she typed it on my phone. So she gave me directions. This is where you take, this is where you go. And that was just like one incident that that's like that's awesome. right now, but it was that's amazing. so cool. Yeah. Okay, Leah, how about I, I know your city, so I can't wait to hear yours. Your... Uh, I went to Shanghai, so that is by far one of the most uh, international, um, a little different from Valencia, <laughs> international cities you could go to. Uh, no matter where you come from, you will probably find that Shanghai does not feel very different than wherever big city that you come from. And for some people, this, this will be a great experience. You won't experience as much culture shock as you would if you went to a smaller place. So that's something to consider. I went because I like cities. And I also know that Shanghai, I, I only went once, but I figured I might give it a second try. I didn't like it when I first went the first time. The, in Chinese, there's a phrase called And the idea is that, and I probably butchered the pronunciation. Good it up. doesn't matter uh, to some extent. Um, and it's the idea that you go through a city and nobody knows each other. You just, just just go for it. And some people enjoy that anonymity. I personally enjoy that. So you can go you can go in and not have to worry about remembering anybody, but you could also have the opportunity if you're open to make uh, great connections with people. And it's helps it's helpful because you don't need a you don't really don't need a car. Mm. Uh, the public transportation is very cheap and very easily managed because it has international signage mm. uh, buses are a little bit uh difficult to manage because of the traffic mm. in general but metro is great there's bike sharing systems and you could be out late at night um and it'll be fine because shanghai is jokingly a police state of course if you 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 apply logic don't do ridiculous things that would put yourself in unnecessary risk but it's very safe nonetheless and I was sometimes out I biking in the middle of the night because I, I liked the city at night or maybe I needed to go for a quick like grocery store run or you know, like they have their their corner stores are really great. But um, what's one of your best memories of Shanghai and the best experiences that you had there? OK, best memories would have to be lunches at our dinners, food at this one side restaurant. Uh, right next to campus. So I was at ECNU or East China Normal University and right on the outskirt was a little restaurant. Uh, I actually don't remember the name of the store. I took a picture of it, but we just called it Ais because the lady there 
was very kind and she just Auntie. And yeah. yeah, and we if you like we spoke enough Chinese that we could order and talk to her and so she just started to treat us like her children. And that's always that's always gonna be fun. And I got some of the time I, I'm not a very adventurous eater. I have picked something I like it, so I would eat these um Tomatoes and eggs. Oh man. And rice. She hung she chowed down. Yeah. I miss it. <laughs> so that was, that's, that's going to be always a comfort food. So, oh man, that's making me want to go. So let's talk about classes. Um, what classes did you take and what did you think about those classes? I took Spanish one, Spanish two, uh, Spanish composition, and I also took thermodynamics engineering, which, uh, <laughs> oh my god, oh wow. Yeah, that was my hardest class there, but it ended up um, substituting for my uh, physical chemistry course. And I remember I had emailed them about the syllabus and they were really great with getting back to me with that. And I also took um, Spanish culture and civilization. And what did you think of those classes? Oh, I love them. I loved my Spanish class, especially because I had a very cool, funny, interesting professor who, was, who wasn't really a professor. She was more of a friend to us. And the way her class was structured wasn't just all grammar art all the time or we're just talking. It was a combination of a mix where she talked about the culture, but not like oh spanish culture about the some of the words they use some of the slang language and what's specific what's i don't know what is this thing that they eat during fias and she she did we did um inner cambios which is students for, who are learning english would come to our class and we would like sit with them and we would communicate with a topic that was given that was a great way of meeting friends and she would put songs and we would sing and dance. And she's like, okay, we got to do this. We got to exercise. So I had a lot of fun in that class. Cool. Uh, I took a Chinese course. Uh, it was upper division. Uh, it's useless really to say exactly what level it is. It's a language course. That was, that took up the majority of our time. You know, you had that every day and you have a good solid two to four hours of homework with that every day. And then on top of that, I took uh, Chinese Film Society, Modern Political Development of Chinese Society, and Modern Issues in Society. What did you think of those classes? They're all very interesting. Um, well, Chinese class was hard, but in I think a, a unique thing about CIEE is that they hire local students uh, who are in their graduate program. So you're not getting like a freshman. Don't worry. It's, it's still quality education. ECNU is known for their education. Um, of t your teaching teachers to teach language. So you're still getting a very quality education, but you're getting it from somebody who is close to your age. So you get that perspective that you may not get if you were to have somebody who's maybe 30, 40. And that was really fun because I got to spend my lunches eating with them and they've become some of my best friends in China. Uh, as for the other courses, it's just a great window into China. A lot of them are, most of them were taught by expatriates one of them was taught by a Chinese national and it felt a little broad, but it's it's the nature of the topic. And since it wasn't in my field of expertise, like politics, mm -hmm. film, sociology, like 
but it's all very interesting and i think if your brain is able to make the connections with those soft sciences to your hard science background it's invaluable because you learn how people work and you learn how people work and how you can then apply that back to your your major and i guess with china in particular as it's a rising power science and technology is going to be super important so if you understand how they work it's going to help you a lot very cool very cool So tell me about a typical day, typical week. Um, how much were you in class? What did you do outside of class? What excursions or, or extracurricular activities did the program organize for you? Uh, for me, a typical day would be waking up and going for my morning run in this very, very big park that we had that used to be a river, actually, and going there and meeting new faces, smiling, all going for their jogs, coming back, making breakfast, and going to class. We took the bus, and then it's about, for me, it was about 20 minutes to my school. And then I would take, I had two classes every day, and then Fridays are off, um, with the expect exception of two or three Fridays, I believe. And when I would finish, it would be around like 3 p.m., I would go to their gym, and we'll, if I didn't go for my morning run, I would go to the gym. And then I would come home, make um, lunch, or, oh, I started calling it dinner because in Spain, in Spain um, they have five meals, basically. So there is like a morning, which is like a coffee maybe, or a small breakfast. And then towards at 10 p.m., 10, 11, they would eat a croissant or something like that. At around two or three, they would eat their actual meal, meal which is their lunch. And then around six, seven, they would have a sandwich or small, another small snack. And then their dinner would be about 9, 10 p.m. And so for me, I started calling them dinner because I combined my lunch and dinner. Better than lunch. <laughs> so I would eat my dinner. And then after I would just do my assignments with my uh, housemates, we, would, we had a big table in our kitchen and that's where we all met up to do our classes and coursework. And then after that, we would go for a walk in the city, get some orchata, which is a very popular drink over there, and just explore. Nice, all right, yeah. CIEE structures their coursework and so that you have classes from Monday to Thursday and you have Friday completely off. Sometimes they will have scheduled activities during that Friday, most of the time. Sometimes students would participate, I personally didn't, um, but you wake up around eight, nine, depending on your awake old time. If you're in the non-accelerated Chinese courses, you get to wake up and go to class at nine. Uh, so Chinese courses go from eight or nine to 12. And then you have an hour of lunch typically. And if you have an afternoon class, the first block is one to one to three. And then you have another block from three to six or four to seven or seven to nine. And you just, the, the classes come in blocks. So you typically have one class a week and then you just go do the work for whatever. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing school. Uh, I sort of became a fixture in the school's library because they had really good internet and a VPN. But if I were to do this again, I would definitely wander a lot more. Um, I didn't go on many of the uh, traveling a lot a, because I was terrified of having to deal with traveling on uh, the trains in China and have and not be able to speak the language as well as I could, but all my friends did. 
And also I'd been to China before, so I didn't feel the need to go see all the places, but I wanted to stay in Shanghai and really get to know that area. And so sometimes I, when I did go out, I, um, I would take the metro system and just go until I got lost sometimes and then come back. Uh, for me, the field trip, I forgot to talk about the field oh, yeah. trips. Yeah. <laughs> so my program offered, I think it was three field trips on the weekends. And those were matched with the Fridays that we had to go to class. And they were usually in the countryside or like other parts that we haven't seen. I know we went to a castle. We went to Abu Farah, which is a city where they make traditional paella, which is a very popular meal over there. And I remember I used to look forward to them so much because it's because we had two housings. So there was an apartment with our um, with some of us and then there was another one but when we had the field trips it was just everyone all of you sat coming together so it was really nice to see the faces that you wouldn't usually see on daily day-to-day basis so it was fun and then we got a free lunch that's always good yeah (laughs) yeah just to speak to CIE's program so there's a day trip where you have you can choose some of the three historic areas around Shanghai Wujen, Hangzhou or Suzhou uh, I went to Hangzhou. That was fun. It was really hot at that time, so be prepared if you go in the fall. They also provide a week-long excursion, so you get to travel to the Silk Road, which is sort of like roughing it and learning about that that route. Um, but we don't know if that will change given um, relationships with Tibet. But and then you had Sichuan, where you could go hang out with pandas, uh, go to the mountains, or you could go to Taiwan. And I, I, I really don't not go one kid didn't go because uh, he didn't wake up but that's a different problem <laughs> uh don't not go it was so fun for me uh, for those of you who need nature in your life shanghai is very not nature or very man-made nature and then when going out into sichuan into this, the local rural areas it was very rejuvenating and i met some of my good friends there and we went night hiking probably shouldn't have but we went night hiking and you could see the stars you could actually see the stars and because that area is on the same latitude as um, california at least our area in california you could see the same constellations i saw orion but it had been completely different uh, orientations in the sky and i was just floored by how i was in halfway around the world and we are still under the same sky and there's this level of connectivity almost spiritual like that you don't get sometimes so cool. So you've alluded to this a little bit already, but talk to me about your housing and meals. For me, I was, so my program, USAC, offers three types of housing. There is the dorm, which is uh, also included, it includes the cafeteria food. There are the apartments and there is the traditional housing, which is when you go with a family and live with a family. Uh, I picked an apartment because I used to be a resident assistant here at Pacific, so I've never really had a roommate. So going there, I wanted to be able to make new friends, you know, be see how I live with other people. And, ex- and so for me, I was really excited to do that. I did the housing and I think I ended up with the best girls in the whole program because just how we all clicked. There was eight of us in one apartment and our housing, we were basically responsible for our meals. So we would go and it was really nice, though, because living in the dorms, you don't really know how to cook for yourself. And are these students who you lived with local students or people who are also part of USAC or like international? 
for me, it was uh, with students th with USAC, but I also said the option that, oh, if other Spanish people who wanted to live with us, like I'm free to, I'm open to that as well. But um, I just ended up with USAC, people from USAC. And so we were responsible and, oh yeah, in the dorms, you don't really cook for yourself. You don't know what you like and things like that. And being there, it, it really made me make the adoption and be able to cook for myself because now I live in a house and now I know how to do that. And it's really nice because you have people from different areas and different cultures and they can teach you. I know my friend Ariana, uh, she taught me to make so many different types of food and they all were delicious. <laughs> and if you are living with a family, I believe you pay an extra amount but they are also responsible for two of your meals. And I know for some people it was a little bit difficult because their timing is um, different because they eat dinner at around nine or 10 and then they didn't really, but it's also, it's very respected because some, some uh, host moms, they would cook earlier or they would provide a snack before that. But for me, I did the apartment. I, am, I lived on campus, so. It's sort of like a luck of the draw. CIE gives you a choice between homestay with a local family, uh, roommate with another international student from CIE, or roommate with a local student. So I did roommate with a local student. And I think for me, that was probably one of the best options because you get the opportunity to hear um, about the country from somebody who's your age, uh, who didn't grow up with all that historical stuff that some of the older generation might have. And there's different value in each. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, it's like being a freshman all over again. You just you're thrown in and you hope it works out. <laughs> um, but for my my floor, we it worked out. We are quite spoiled compared to local students. Uh, our housing is massive compared to what they have to deal with. And I didn't take a picture, but I should have. Anywho, we had um, floor of both local students who were paired with another CIE student, and we sort of we we all kind of got to know each other. We were friends. We did things together. Um, my roommate happened to be friends with another roommate who lived across the street, and I happened to be friends with that uh, international student. And we had what I'd like to call roommate dates, where we watched various random videos, like we exposed them to things like um, Forrest Gump, and uh, <laughs> it was it was loads of fun. Um, How about food? Food, yes. Uh, uh, food in China is very cheap, and I absolutely have poor cooking, so <laughs> I don't. If I can avoid it, I will not cook. But uh, so I ended up just paying for food, and it's really quite affordable. But and really delicious. And, oh yeah, I mean it's better than anything that I could make, or even if I learned how to make it better than I would have learned how to make it. So let's wrap up by talking about how this experience changed you. Wow, hardest question. I think I I grew in several aspects and different parts of me, I guess, changed. One is that I know now that when I get to the airport, I can manage to get to the hotel by myself because that has always been my greatest fear. And I always get very nervous, especially in a new country and I don't know the language. And uh, the program studying abroad makes you grow internally and you get to meet so many different faces that you would have never been able to as if you were here on the same uni in, the, 
same place, in the same area, city, country. So for me, when I went abroad, I also had the privilege to travel into different um, countries like Paris, London, Ireland. And you really get to see people on another level, be able, like Irish people, they are so nice, you know, and I wasn't expecting that. It was so heartwarming. And you get to see each person, different people. And that's just a really great feeling because you're also able to learn from them. Oh, as she did this, that's a great quality. I want to have that. I want to make someone feel comfortable like that if they get lost and things like that. And it made me more independent because I didn't know living alone, being able to cook for myself, find my way around, travel into other sites all alone. And I think that part of me grew as far as like, okay, once I live out, I move out of my parents' house, I'm able to do all these things. And it makes you cultured. Um, before I answer that question, and please don't edit this out, but there are, there are people are going to be mean. There be mean people are evenly distributed throughout society. Yeah, so don't just keep that in mind. Some people will be mean for you for no reason. Anyway, but moving on to how do I change? Uh, I actually participated in a speech competition, and I think I'm going to reiterate, reiterate in some ways what I said there because I I think it was a really good summary of a lot of what I've gained or rediscovered coming back. And it's and it's that being in China again for this time for three months, it has become a second home. And we are fortunate to have been able to, or I am fortunate at least, to have been able to find another home. And so whether I come back to the United States or I go back to China at some point, uh, they both are home because I have learned intellectually some of their ways of thinking and I've learned about their social aspect and for me I was able to be parts of myself that I didn't know I needed to be while I was there. I didn't have to worry about you know the the reputation that you've built up in the United States or at University of Pacific or something. It's sort of it's a good way to start fresh again and to find the parts that you part of parts of you that you didn't know you had before I guess and just to be, because I think I've spent, I did not spend nearly as much time during school, even though I did spend a lot of time, nearly as much school as I do now. I don't know if you can relate. But oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's, you have more, you have more balance when you're outside of your normal comfort zone. Absolutely. Um, going with what you said about um, experiencing there's mean people and things like that. For me, before I went there, I, I told myself I want to grow from this experience. And part of that is making mistakes and being able to learn from that. And I remember one night, it was very, very late. I lost my friends and I had I had given my money and my ID card and everything to, a, to one of my friends and I ended up losing them. And I was responsible to make it back to my, my room, my house, all by myself and there was nothing and this is one of the nice incidents that also came that you mentioned previously and I remember I didn't know what to do and I wanted to cry and but it was just I was lost and I'm like I don't even remember how I like how I would get home things like that who's gonna let me without money and I waited I waited and all of a sudden I said okay I can't find them I'm gonna go home 
I went and asked the taxi guy, I'm like, <laughs> in my Spanish, I said, I don't have any money, but do you think you can tell me and I, you can give me a ride and I will pay you there? And he said no. And that was completely fine with me because going in, I knew that this is going to be impossible. But the next, the very next taxi guy, and he said, no problem, hop in. And he took me and it was very late. It was at six, five in the morning. And I remember everyone was sleeping and I tried, I yelled my, one of my roommate's names and nobody was waking up and I didn't know what to do. And I was, and then that point I was just crying because I was making this man wait. And all of a sudden my friend's face comes out and I said, oh my God, can you please let me in? And they came down, I went and got the money and I tipped the man an extra 10 euros because of waiting for me and like driving me when I had nothing. And I remember I got up and then like I, I was crying and I said, you know, I told myself that I wanted to grow and this is part of it. You're going to have instances where it's not going how you would liked it or how you imagined it. But that is part of the process. And I think when you say, what did you learn? How did you grow? And this is part of it, being able to cope with an incident that you had no idea was coming and being able to manage yourself and say, okay, I'm not going to lose my mind. This is my game plan. And we're going to try this. If this doesn't work out, plan B. And it really helps you with that. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is to be able to manage my mindset and not go crazy during instances like that. That is so awesome. Thanks to both of you so much. Thanks to all of our listeners out there. Uh, you can find more information about study abroad on our website, pacific.edu slash IPS. We'll be posting uh, more interviews with past students and tips on studying abroad. You can follow us on Instagram at pacific.abroad and Facebook at Pacific Abroad. Thanks to Pacific Tiger Broadcasting and Michael Hinstroza, our producer, Camille Khalidi, our editor, Grace Tizing, our social media manager. Thanks to Leah Klassen and Eileen Rad uh, for the episode today. A reminder to all of our listeners out there, you can afford it. You can graduate on time. You can go. So come find out how by visiting us in the Bechtel International Center next to Casa Jackson. Woohoo! Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you.